Howdy, Ags. Welcome to Aggie Growth Hacks, the podcast dedicated to helping entrepreneurs improve their business, connecting with other Aggie entrepreneurs, and supporting one another. I'm your host, Greg Martin, Fighting Texas Aggie Class of 2001. I'm your co-host, Chris Hunter, Fighting Texas Aggie Class of 1998. Whoop. We got a little story for you, Ags. Doug Groves, Fighting Texas Aggie Class of 1982, is the owner of Program Insurance Group, a full-service insurance company that's developed a niche of serving franchisees and franchisors in all 50 states. Insurance is in Doug's blood, and he has passed that love of supporting entrepreneurs onto all three of his kids who are in the company. So pass it back and listen up to Doug as he shares some really good bull. Well, Doug, thank you so much for joining us on Aggie Growth Hacks. Uh, I'm excited to be able to learn about you and learn about your company. When I moved back to Bryan College Station about seven or eight years ago, one of the first people that I met uh, was your son, Heath. And so you've got two boys in the BCS area who are entrepreneurs, who are helping entrepreneurs. So love having you on Aggie Growth Hacks. Love talking to an entrepreneurial family. Thanks so much for joining us. Oh, we're glad to be here this morning. And uh, yeah, we do have two boys over there stirring it up in Bryant College Station and a daughter that kind of keeps us all in line here at Georgetown. <laughs> That's great. Well, how about you tell us a little bit about yourself? Tell us a, a little bit about Program Insurance Group. How did it start? Where are you now? Program Insurance Group was an evolution from an insurance agency that was called Dady, D-A-D-Y Insurance in Georgetown. It had been here about 30 years, and I was in the insurance business and out of Austin, Texas, and I kind of always had eyes on the little Dady Insurance Agency. I tried to buy it, tried to buy it, tried to buy it. Actually, over time, I was with a firm called Capital City Insurance that my father had started, and I bought it. Really got bored, sold it uh, out of boredom, and uh, no direction, no Nothing to do. The kids weren't in the business. Dwight was in the real estate business. Heath had a restaurant, Brian College Station. My daughter was a CPA for KPMG. And, and so I had no nothing to teach, nobody to listen. So I just sold uh, Capital City Insurance. And shortly thereafter, the Dady guy walked into my office and said he wanted to sell his insurance agency. And I said, oh, heck, I just got out of the business. <laughs> And I said, hang on just a second. So uh, I decided to buy it. We rocked along as Dady for a couple of years. That was in 2010, by the way. Capital City ran from 1968 to 2010. And I sold it out of our family and bought this little insurance agency in Georgetown, Texas. And uh, lo and behold, three kids showed up and uh, said, hey, we think we want to do what dad does. And uh, we like your lifestyle and what you do. And so Dwight came first. Uh, my daughter came second. And uh, Heath ended up closing down the restaurant in Bryant College Station and came third. And uh, by that time, we had started our, our gig, what we do, which is help franchise wars across the country. We're, we're licensed in 50 states. And we, so we changed our name uh, from Dady to Program Insurance Group. Kind of got started at Bryant College Station, but uh, because of grandkids, I moved to Georgetown, and that's where our office is now. And we employ somewhere between 25 and 30 folks a month, and we work on insurance. We're insurance people. That's We move insurance products, mostly business products, business insurance products across the country. But ultimately, we have a tool to help franchisors manage their insurance across their system. We can go into that in a little bit. But um, we, we became Program Insurance Group, and... Um, Dwight, my oldest son, actually still handles home builders and subcontractors in the Bryan Constellation market. Heath pretty much all works on brands, and probably 60% of our business is brand-related. Things like sport clips or tropical smoothies or U.S. lawns, we, we work for those companies across the country. But uh, it's been a, been a good ride. Been a good ride. That's pretty cool. So now, where are y'all, where are y'all headquartered at? 
Our headquarters is in Georgetown. It's in Georgetown. That's where our, our, our folks, we don't have a lot of people that come to the office. I think there's maybe eight people that come here full time. So everybody else's works. COVID, as tragic as it was, was beneficial to our business because it taught us how to work remotely and, and pretty much people that know how to do their business and you don't have to train methodology, you don't have to train attitudes and stuff like that can work from home and do fine. And uh, that's that's the methodology that we use. We mm-hmm. So most of the people don't come to an office every day. Uh, we have an office in Bryan College Station. I don't think it's rarely used because work that we do can be done by the telephone or by Zoom or by email. And um, people don't go out of their way to go buy their insurance shop anymore. But I think a lot of people have learned that lesson. You know, my my dad would not have fared well because he would have said, if they're not at their desk, they're not working. And and uh, but he didn't have availability of the tools that we have in today's market. And I I kind of caught in the middle. Sometimes I'm old, and sometimes I'm maybe a little bit more progressive than my dad was. But it's been fun. It's been fun. But Georgetown. We're, we're out on Williams Drive in Georgetown, which I don't know if you've read about Georgetown lately. It's supposedly the fastest growing city in the whole U.S., and it feels like that every time you start the car. So um, I know George, Bryan College Station is a growing market. It's a great market. I get over there a lot. I don't see it every day, so it, it probably is not as frustrating to me because it just seems like it's nice and quiet to me. But I know the traffic is tough. And Bryan <laughs> well, we're recording this during the summer. So all the ags are gone. Yeah, so it's great. <laughs> yeah, it's great right now. Yeah, everybody knows when September first gets back here. But uh, you know, we still have. A, I still, I still have a dream that we're coming back to Brian College Station to live. I don't know that that's ever going to happen, but I can. You know, it's ninety miles. It's an hour and a half. It's three phone calls and stop to get a glass of tea, and and I'm there. It's not a problem. So. So speaking of Texas A&M, right? Because we are, you know, Aggie related, we're Aggie growth hacks, right? So my next question here is, what's the one thing that you learned at A&M, right? That's been the most helpful to you as an entrepreneur? Well, my academia career was, was not stellar. I don't think they are looking for students of my quality today. Uh, I think I was fortunate to get in. I got in in 1978. I went on a summer school at sea program with Texas A&M out of Galveston. Before that, I started out in marine biology of all things. I, I couldn't do calculus, couldn't do, I couldn't spell the words, so I needed to get out of that. and went into accounting. I thought I was going to be an accounting major. I looked around the room one day and said, I, this is who are the people I got to hang around with. I don't want to do accounting. So I went to the advisor and said, what can I do that I've got enough accounting for? And he said, well, this finance looks pretty good. And I said, well, yeah, if, it, if I'm done with accounting, I like it. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I, got, I was on the dean's list almost every semester I was there and not the good dean's list. I was on the bad dean's list. In fact, I took two vacations from Texas A&M. I took one after my sophomore year and took one after my junior year thinking that I'd never come back. And it's a long story, but I still graduated with my class. I started in 78 and got out in 82 and took two vacations during that time. So I took a lot of classes. I had a lot of hours. I didn't score well on anything that I ever took, but I learned. And I learned, and I'm that way today. I learn what I want to learn out of a situation or a conference. I take the information that I was interested. I know where to get the answer and I move on. And that didn't serve me well. It, in the Texas A&M world, but it has served me well 
in my business deal because although I'm not a keeper of a bunch of knowledge in my head, I usually know where the answer is. So, and that's what I teach my people. Let's don't feel like we have to be a walking compendium of information. Let's just know where the answer is and we'll get it, get it back to the customer as quick as we can. But the one thing that I learned, probably I had a Texas A&M, not probably, I had a Texas A&M senior ring when I, when I got vacationed for the last time. Went to work for a bank in Austin that's no longer there, but I found out that having a degree was more important a piece of paper was more important than a ring. I thought I had a ring and I probably didn't need to graduate and I'd just go ahead and run my business career. I was sorely mistaken. I, I didn't I didn't feel like I was getting treated fairly in the business world. So I went back to Texas A&M and begged my way back into so I could finish my degree plan. And um, probably sticking with it was the best thing that I ever had done. Probably the best thing I've ever done, but it's probably more important that my kids... With this AM, I got a eight, 10, and 12 class out of there that were all way more attentive to what they were trying to teach at AM than I was. So, <laughs> or is, is, as far as you know, that, that's what it is. <laughs> yeah, as far as I know. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, I, uh, I'm glad I got it mine when I did because I don't think I'd be there again. Well, Doug, I, I heard throughout that entire story that one of the things that A&M probably didn't bring out in you or didn't create in you, but solidified in you was just determination and stick to it just, and just, I'm going to, I'm going to set myself forward. I'm going to overcome this challenge. I'm going to get that, not only the ring, but the degree, and I'm going to move on with my life, but kind of bringing that forward and, and how has that helped you now? In your biggest challenge, what's the biggest challenge that you've got in your business and how are you and your team overcoming it through your standards, your values, your processes? Well, probably the biggest disappointment in the insurance business is our sales cycle is very long. In other words, from the time that we meet a potential customer to the time that we turn them into a real customer, that could be a long period of time. It could be a three-year process. It could be a two-year process. It can be, I've had customers that we've called on and wanted and wanted and wanted, and we we don't win. We don't, we're not, we're failing and, and uh, we're not failing, but we're not moving the ball as quick as sometimes people want to move the ball and, and people have relationships. They're typically already buying our product services from somebody else. We have to actually get them to fire their current provider. And if you can't talk the customer into doing that, then that's very difficult to do. You need to find out if, if that customer is buying from their brother-in-law or is it their sister, their insurance agent. Those are types of things that don't have anything to do with the insurance business, but have a lot to do with the buying decision. And a lot of times the buying decision doesn't go in our favor and we can't get mad and we can't throw rocks and we can't call the customer bad guy. We just got to go back and saddle back up and realize what we did wrong the first time. And we got to be back in there the second or the third or fourth time. It doesn't matter. It's going to come back around. And uh, probably the best advice that everybody hears and everybody, I don't know where they taught it, but they taught us don't burn those bridges because you got to cross it again one day and you want to cross it with your head up, not your head hanging. And uh, I think that's probably what I learned more than anything. And our business is a slow, great business. It is a wonderful business because of the renewal, the ability to build a following. And that's what we're about. But it's not going to happen overnight. And uh, 
it's not going to happen. Really, you got to put three to five years in and you turn around in three to five years, you go, wow, this is a really good decision. I'm glad I made it. But it's a tough. That's a long three three to five years. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. it's a tough. It's a tough one because people do get very disappointed. They didn't wonder why they had the product. They had the price. They did everything they're supposed to do and they don't get the business. And and normally you don't get the business because of the guy in the mirror. So you got to figure out what the guy in the mirror do wrong. Or what can the guy in the mirror do better? Maybe you didn't do anything wrong. Maybe you just maybe it takes a while for the customer to realize that they're not getting the, the service that they thought they were getting. So that's probably my academic career was keeping my head down, not getting discouraged, and knowing I wanted a Texas A&M diploma. And uh, you know, when you had to knuckle down, you you can you can make an A. So so it almost sounds I, like you've got to do the same thing you know, in the insurance business, right? You, you've got to knuckle down and, and, and tough it out for three, those three to five years. Yeah, we, we, have to, like. we have to help the customer in some manner. Typically, a lot of times, the, the help that we're providing doesn't have anything to do with our product suite. We do sell insurance. That's how we get paid. That's, that's how we pay all the, the grocery bills. But we've got to be able to help. We've got to figure out what the customer is not getting typically from their insurance provider and what we can do to, to help them s- smooth that. What keeps them up at night? What, 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 what bothers them about their either their insurance program or the way it's being handled or their claims or something like that? We got to get to the bottom of that. And that's a time. That's a time deal and a, an effort. So, so let's dig in a little bit more into, into, you know, Progressive Insurance Group, you know how how do you how do you teach a new, you know what do they call producer or what what do what are new agents called? Uh, well, yeah, producers are called producers. producers. We're a locally based insurance agency. We can write home builders. We write a lot of nonprofits like the YMCA's and nonprofits here in Georgia community and in Bryan College Station. Nationally, we have we do one thing and we do it very well, and it's franchise boards. We we maintain the insurance requirements for franchise or in other words if they have 100 locations out there, we need to make sure that those 100 locations are buying the insurance that they're required to buy, have the named insurance done correctly and that they're not just out in right field buying whatever coverage their local insurance agent guy said. So we maintain the compliance for brands. So we started a computer program to do that for Sport Clips and it happened to be in my local hometown here in Georgetown and it did very well. The Sport Clips that runs, I think there's close to 2,000 locations from California to New York and we insure a big percentage of those stores. The problems that we had solved for sport clips i just one night i was sitting in my recliner and i decided if sport clips has that problem tropical smoothie has that problem or u.s lawns has that problem or taco bell has that problem and so we rolled this easy cert that's the name of the business easy cert management system out to other brands and we were fortunate enough to get hired and seven to ten years later we probably do work for 25 brands countrywide from and we can sell all the you know in all the u.s states even hawaii so we can set up a brand standard for a particular brand and handle it the way the brand wants to be done and we do that the same all the way across the country so that franchise is a business in a box one of the things that you have to handle when you're in a business in a box is insurance but we need some standards in the way that that insurance is handled and that's what we do and and we like it but doug that that standard is not only from the the high level franchisor 
standpoint, you know, so so if I'm a sports club corporate, I'm going to go to each one of my franchisees and say, okay, here's the type of insurance you need to have. But you said that they're nationwide. So how in the world do you also help that franchisee with the local, the state, their banking requirements to be able to manage all of the different types of insurance and renewals and all that stuff. Yeah, you have to be licensed. We had to, yeah, Yeah. we had to be licensed in all 50 states. Very few insurance agencies that you meet on the street are going to, they're going to be licensed in the states that they sell their business. Like Texas, there's a lot of guys that are only licensed in Texas because they never leave Texas. Or they'll be licensed in the four states that surround them. Louisiana guys might be licensed in Texas and Oklahoma and Arkansas because their customers periodically travel to those places. Well, when we set up our business to do franchise wars that are interested in selling their franchise system in every 50 state, we can't go to the franchise or say, oh, by the way, all those ones you're writing up on the East Coast, we're not licensed up there. You're going to have to find your own insurance guy. Well, the franchise or doesn't understand that. They want to pick an operation that can handle it, can come to their conferences, can write articles, can be involved in their system for all their system. And so we had to ch- make a change and become licensed in all states. And it's not difficult. It's just time consuming. You got to fill out the paperwork, send two box tops in, $25. I mean, they're all over the board what they require. And then each state will have different, little bitty different changes. Workers' compensation is quite a bit different in different states. Some are monolistic states, some are not. Some states don't require workers' compensation. Well, one state, which is our home state, Texas, so it's a little bit different than everywhere else. But there's those changes. California is expensive and it's hard to ride in California, but there are people that ride insurance in California. So it had to change a mindset on our team to realize that we're not just working in Texas. And when I talk to an insurance company and the and they say, well, we don't write those in Texas. I said, I'm I'm not talking to you about Texas. I'm talking to you about Florida. I'm talking to you about New York yeah. because we have two brands that are working there right now. And they, oh, I get it. Okay. So we, it's just a mindset change and a business plan change, but there's not a lot of us. What, was that was that a huge investment in order for you well, to- Well, it was time consuming and we had to have a staff person monitor our licensing in all the states and- um, some states you have to have individual people working in that state have to be licensed and not, not just me. But yeah, I mean, it was just a, a change. When I owned Capital City Insurance, I think we were only licensed in Texas. We only wrote Texas stuff. And we never, if you were in Florida, we didn't care and we didn't, weren't going to worry about your insurance in Florida. But we do care now. And the funny thing and the neat thing is people, when they buy a franchise business, typically they're not right out of college. That's the only business that they have. It does happen. But typically that guy or that girl has already been successful doing something else and is redeploying capital somewhere, somehow. So they might own the strip center. They might own a golf course. They might own an airplane. And once we get involved with the franchise business, it's amazing the business that we get to work on that comes through the franchise system to our insurance agency. And it's cool. From the from A to Z. That's really unique. Our computer system, our compliance software program, we've been very fortunate. It's been well received in the franchisor market. There's four thousand franchisors in the US. We don't need them all. We don't even need fifty. But if we had thirty sport clips, we'd be rolling. 
but we like we like small ones. We like new franchise, emerging franchise awards, and they might have three units, but they want to get to a hundred units. Those are the guys that I like because they're going to be working hard. Interesting. So you know, one of the things that we ask here on Aggie Growth Hacks is surrounding your big, hairy, audacious goal. You know, what's your mission? We know that every single company that we have talked to pretty much has has that big, hairy, audacious goal. What's your five to you know ten year moonshot? Doug, what's your five to 10 year moonshot? What's your BHAG? Well, the, the problem that I have nowadays is I'm getting to the end of my 10 year goals. I mean, I'm getting to where the point of the next one, I'll be 75 years old. I mean, I'm getting a little bit aged out here. And my failure in the past was not being able to share those 10 goals. Not that I wasn't capable, but I kept them in my head. It's like I knew I had a goal. I probably didn't explain that goal to my teammates, my employees, my partners, whatever you want to call them, as well as I should have. Today, my BHAG is just to have a business that's operating that can serve our families. We have families now. We don't have a family business. And it's we can provide an employment place that's good and equitable for people. And we want to grow. We like to grow. You know, I always realize that if you weren't growing, you're probably, you. there's no staying steady. I mean, it's either going back backwards or you're going forwards. And uh, we like to go forward. We, we've got a methodology to, to have prospects laid at our front door. Can we manage that prospect system? And I've got kiddos that are in their mid-30s now, and they're right where I got started, you know, a long time ago. And watching them do well is this is the exciting part about it and, and seeing where we can give back to the communities. Um, we were talking about the YMCA a while ago. We've been very involved in the, in the Y business in Central Texas. And we've been in the past, my community outreach was always through the Lone Star Circle of Care, but it was a medical for people in need of Medicare services. And I think we teach a pretty good methodology to how are you going to be involved in a community? Whatever your community is, is your community a franchise? Is it an association? Is it a local deal? Get involved and go be a leader. So, be a leader, and, and based on your your example, um, and I can tell that that all of your kids are being leaders in our community in Bryan College Station and and helping us become a better community. So, th- thank you for instilling that in your kids and instilling that in your company. Uh, We're going to roll into the lightning round here in just a second. But before we do, let's pause for a message from this episode sponsor. Okay, we're back. All right, Doug, we're in the lightning round. Real simple, one rule, try to keep the answers uh, between 30 and 60 seconds. So we are Aggie Growth Hacks. We love hacks in our personal life and our business life. What is your favorite hack? book, podcast, what can we learn from you? Well, the one, the, my favorite book is written by a guy named Garrett Gunderson out of, I think he's out of Salt Lake City, Utah, kind of a guru financial guy. He wrote a book called uh, Comparing the, uh, What Would the Rockefellers Do? That was the name of the book, What Would the Rockefellers Do? And it compares how the Vanderbilt family and the Rockefeller family managed their fortunes or didn't manage their fortunes. And I won't tell you anything about the book. You ought to get it. What Would would the Rockefellers Do is the name of it. The author is Garrett Gunderson. I like that book. He actually has another one called Killing Sacred Cows, which has nothing to do with the bovine variety of cows, but having to do with methodologies and business. And that's just the way we've always done it. 
and you probably need to be looking for another way. And that's he. That's what he wrote. So that's what I like. I like to give those books away, and I, I think they're they're thought provokers. Love it. So next question here is: What is your favorite business hack? We we just talked. It sounds like a personal hack. What is your what is your favorite business hack book or podcast? You know, I kind of enjoy just getting to have breakfast with other business leaders and and query them and ask them, how did you get started? How did you know this guy? Why did you do that? Why? And then and I probably am more retrospective looking than the average guy because I think that I'm almost 65 and I think I've gotten a little bit aged in my thought processes and I'm wondering about just like those questions there. What what led you to start sport clips? I had breakfast with Gordon Logan this morning. Actually, he's coming to Brian College Station to make a speech at the Rotary Club. We were talking about our trip coming up. But I mean, asking him, how did you get started? Why did you get started? Why did you think men and boys haircutting was going to be a success? I mean, it wasn't that you couldn't have thought of that or Greg couldn't have thought of that, but we never put effort into thinking about that. How did you do that? I mean, uh, it's a fascinating story when you have 2,000 locations. And I do that with, um, I was with another guy that owned a company called U.S. Lawns out of Florida. I said, how did you get started? He's been with them 40 years and, mow, blowing, and mowing and blowing grass off of commercial properties. How? Why did you think that was going to be a nationwide franchise? And and I probably do most of my stuff instead of podcasts. I try to do it in person. I try to, to ask them, how did you get started? Why did you get started? Why did you think that this person you have that is knocking the cover off the ball, why did you think they would be good in that business? And I don't have anything that I listen to podcast regularly, probably, although I listened to a couple of your Aggie hacks this morning and I really enjoyed it because I like seeing Aggies. And we were an Aggie 100 a long time ago when it first got started at Capital City. And, you know, I probably enjoyed that as much as anything I've ever done because we get, we got to go to a couple of business classes and the guys that I met are still friends today. And that was, I think, the first year that Aggie 100 came out. Um, we, we had won that award. That's and awesome. and, and uh, meeting those people is probably the highlight of my career. And meeting people is just the fun part. Without a doubt. Doug, what is what is your best piece of advice and 82 bonus points if you can tell us how you applied it? Oh, my gosh. My best piece of advice is just keep after it. And I, I'm not a believer of you're going to get it done on a Zoom call or an email. You And, and I've said this in another podcast I was on, and I, I kind of listened to myself and I said, man, that sounds kind of old school, but you got to go. I mean, you got to get up. I think you ought to go leave the house looking in a presentable, presentable state, you got to go. Go go meet somebody. If it's just going to the coffee house down the street, grab a chair and it's amazing who you can meet. I met a young person the other day in Dallas. I looked over and I saw his Aggie ring. He was on an internship as an engineer. I met him and I started talking to him. And I, I mean, that's highlight to me. I don't know that it's highlight for the young person that I abused <laughs> during their lunch at, and the Jersey Mike's. I mean, the guy, but he told me his story. He told me why he was in the internship. He told me where he was from. He told me he was a core. He was a core guy. And I hired a core guy beginning of this year is in Dallas working for us. And he's a great young man. And I think those guys or gals that Texas A&M produces, they, they come out of there with their head up. They're on fire. They're ready to go. Get them headed in the right direction. Give them some goals and work with them, and you'll be so impressed with what the product that AM turns out. But I believe in that. Now, I have a dog in that hunt myself and my dad and my kids. And so I have some 
also success stories in that. Everybody that comes out of AM seems to be pretty good. And um, I like their product. Awesome. Love it. Well, Doug, how can the Aggie Growth Hacks family get in touch with you and how can we support and encourage you? Well, Doug Groves, my email is Doug at PIGBCS.com. I love emails. I answer emails. I try not to, I know there's a lot of books that tell you how much time you should abortion to email and don't, don't live your life on email. But I mean, I answer emails pretty quickly and, um, we're on the web at uh, www.pigbcs.com, and our easy search system is easysearchmanagement.com. But all that's on the website. You can find us. And if you have questions, if you have issues on insurance, that's what we're about. We're trying. We we are standard independent insurance agency. We have the Travelers, the Hartfords, the State Autos. We have companies that aren't aren't in Texas because we deal with company outside of Texas. So I wrote a house yesterday in Whitefish, Montana. So uh, somebody here is tired of it being 103 and said, I think I'm going to Whitefish. And um, <laughs> so we were happy to be able to help them on their home insurance, even though we don't do that many homes, we can do it. Well, Doug, thank you so much for sharing your story, sharing your tenacity and your grit and your stick to Thank you for joining us on Aggie Growth Hacks. We really enjoyed it today. Let us know if we can help you. We're glad to be here. Well, how about that, Ags? Was that pretty cool or what? I know that I had a ton of takeaways from Doug on that interview. What was your biggest takeaways there, Greg? Well, I really loved how at the beginning of our conversation, Doug talked about the biggest challenge he has, you know, i.e. the long sales cycle. And, you know, he's right, you know, selling insurance, that can be a multi-year challenge that you have to overcome. But he's overcoming it, overcoming it through not only one, his attitude of saying, if I don't make a sale, then I have to look in the mirror because most likely it was what did the, the guy in the mirror do wrong? And so how can I improve that? How can I not have the attitude of, oh, the, the, that entrepreneur just doesn't know what he's talking about. You know, he's not fair is always bring it back and saying, how can I bring more value? How can I be clearer? How can I make sure? that we're serving our clients. So that that's pretty cool how he's overcoming it. But then two, he developed what I think is a pretty unique and groundbreaking technological advantage in saying that I can come in and through the Easy Cert program, whether you're a franchisor in Maine or California, Hawaii, wherever you are, there are insurance requirements that you have to to adhere to. And he and his team built a computer system that allows the not only the franchisor, but the franchisee to be able to, to see that easily and to take care of it in a timely manner and to make sure that all the issues are resolved. And that's, I mean, talk about bringing and laying prospects at your feet to be able to shorten that sales cycle. That was so cool. A very innovative way of identifying what a, a challenge is. And then saying, okay, how can I internally and externally affect that in order to to just overcome that? What about you, Chris? What'd you take away? I fully agree with that. You know, my biggest takeaway really was surrounding, uh, you know, how he, he talked about that his hack was to have breakfast with business leaders and, and simply ask uh-huh. them questions about them and their business and how they got to where they're at. And, and, you know, I say that that's my takeaway because that's literally what we do here on Aggie Growth Hacks. Right. hundred percent. I mean, that was literally why you and I started this podcast, what, three yeah. years ago, maybe longer. I can't remember. Longer. Point, Much longer season than seven. That. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, but, but that was literally why we, we did it because we wanted to learn, you know, how, what makes businesses tick, 
you know, and there's a lot of takeaways that I have from this entire journey, but you know, that's, that really resonated with me. Now I do have a, a bonus, right. And it kind of goes, ties right into what, what you were talking about. And it's really his tenacity, right? He talked about it first with getting his degree and then second with, you know, how his long sales cycle is and, and how they just have to keep after it. That was his, his words. And that's what I wrote down here is just being able to keep after it. Right. Keep after and to it. me that, that tenacity as an entrepreneur you know, sometimes you just, you get, you get knocked down, right. As an entrepreneur. And we have to know day to day, you know, that, that it's going to be better tomorrow, right. It's, it's gotta be better tomorrow. We, we might have a down day today or last week or whatever, but you know, for the most part, we have to have tenacity in order to keep pushing our businesses forward because really what is the option? What is, what are the other options there? There is right. No there option. are none. Right. So Anyways, those are my two takeaways that I that I had from that. I agree a hundred percent. You know, failure is not an option. And so you just have to have that tenacity to drive through and know that tomorrow's gonna be better. Well, Ags, that's going to do it for this episode of Aggie Growth Hacks. We hope that you enjoyed it. If you're an entrepreneur out there, you got any questions about your business insurance, make sure that you reach out to Doug. And he he's a guy that loves talking about insurance, loves supporting and helping you as the entrepreneur, especially if you are are a franchisor or looking to get into a franchise business, make sure you reach out to him because I'm sure that he can save you a lot of time, a lot of effort, a lot of money. We hope that you connect with Doug. We hope that you connect with Aggie Growth Hacks. If you're not connected with Chris and I on LinkedIn, Facebook, make sure that you reach out and check out our Aggie Growth Hacks Facebook group. Finally, while you're on the web, check out AggieGrowthHacks.com where you can listen to this episode, all of our previous episodes, and some of our other great content. Well, Ags, join us next time when we connect with another great Aggie entrepreneur and learn how they hack their growth. Until then, I'm Chris Hunter. And I'm Greg Martin. Thanks and gig em.